These things are too bloody big. The Ram 1500 has been a big sales success in Australia, as has the Chevy Silverado, with the Ford F-150 and Toyota Tundra to join them soon. But are these US monster trucks just too big to operate practically or even safely here? Try parking one at Woolies. Um, <laughs> welcome. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me on the Cars Guide podcast panel to look at whether these full-size pickups are too much ute, our key contributor, Steve Corby. Yep as well as Fearless Leader, Editor Mal Flynn. Thank you very much, James. <laughs> we'll also cover off this week in news and take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving in cars in the garage. So stay with us. So the catalyst for this podcast, Steve Otley has written an op-ed and uh, it's going to be published in parallel with this uh, with this podcast. And he's, he's posing the question. In fact, he's almost making a, a statement, you know, that the the Chevrolet Silverado has been successful. The Ram uh, 1500 and others has been even more successful. They continue to attract new buyers. Um, Ford has made a big announcement that the F-150 will come here. Even Toyota is getting on the train with the, the Tundra. What do you guys think? Uh, are we structured? Are we able to accommodate vehicles of this stature? No. <laughs> End of podcast. Well, that was great. Thanks. How guys. dare we argue with the great Stephen Otley? Well, I've I've had the uh, I've had the Ram, and uh, I regretted every minute of it. I I basically had to sleep in it because I just drove around around my suburb looking for somewhere to park it, uh, and then it ran out of fuel very quickly. Um, wow! I don't know. It just I don't gets know where people are parking them. If, if you buy one and you live anywhere in inner Sydney, that's yeah. just not going to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, put it this way: the Toyota Hilux an already substantial vehicle, is 5.3 metres long. It's about 1.8 wide and 1.8 high. The Tundra will crush it. It's 5.9 metres long, 2 metres wide and 2 metres tall. You know, will it will it even fit into a typical garage? Mal, would that slide into, into the Mal Flynn garage? I'm proud to say, yes, it would. Uh, but, of, course uh, it would. of course it would. <laughs> but I don't think that uh, it wouldn't. I mean... Look at any housing development these days. The garages are shrinking and uh, generally barely big enough. Um, yeah. Generally built around the size of something like a Toyota Corolla. And that's the thing. Like um, if we presume that people are buying these as an alternative to a Toyota Corolla or something like a Mazda CX-5, you know, um, or even a Hilux, uh, yeah, no, they're too big. But, 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 and look, some people do and they're, you know, unwise and you know corby i think spending every day <laughs> as though you're looking for a spot in the shopping mall car park at peak christmas period would be pretty exhausting i'd get over that pretty quickly but the thing is if you if you head out to central australia or you know yep. beyond the um city limits there's plenty of people using these cars for their intended function sure and if you're towing with one of these or carrying a big load i'm all for it well, because uh, the more, you, you know, the bigger the vehicle you tow with, the easier it is to tow and therefore safer. Uh, and, you know, yes, your Hiluxes and D-Maxes and things like that are all rated at three and a half tonnes these days. But if you tow with anywhere near that weight, it is not a pleasant experience. And, you know, really, you can't even actually tow with three and a half tonnes because once you put passengers and luggage in it, it eats into that uh, that rating. It's handy to have a vehicle that's bigger than what you're towing. Yeah, True. Yep. yep. And, mean, and the, the tiny house phenomenon comes to four wheels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So if you're towing a horse float, I'm all for it. If you well, need- well, is that a better way to look at it? You know, are they better as a narrowly focused kind of specialised vehicle, heavy duty highway towing, off road work? Is that a more sensible way to approach it? Because most of them will t- tow, you know, four and a half tons. Yeah, and uh, add to that caravans and you exactly. know our, our first boats. Australia's thirst for caravans and big boats <laughs> seems to be pretty strong and once again if you go out to central Australia you see massive gooseneck caravans left front center yeah, not not so many boats yes mm. but lots less of boats <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh people you know tend to want to take their house with them and you, you can't do that with a, well, a regular Steve year. Steve Otley in his story made the point that he does have relatives in America um, and he says, you know, they're, they're in states where these vehicles are particularly popular. It's, it's uh, deep in truck territory. I think they're banjo aficionados and they like the bib and brace dungarees maybe. Um, and he's made the Just point. Just like Steve. He made the point that, you know, in the Midwest, the lanes are actually wider and the infrastructure for things like uh, a shopping centre is different. We tend to stack up into multi-level car parks there, it's either an enormous footprint of just parking outside or single level. It, it's kind of built around these vehicles because for, for so long, the F-150, I don't, I'm not sure whether it is currently, but it was the best-selling vehicle in America and, and by some measures, the world. It was briefly the biggest-selling vehicle in the world. I remember driving around America and thinking thinking that I assuming I would hate it, but because, it, because everything there was set up for it, I really liked it. And then I would go to a place to get valet parking. Someone would come up to me and go, nice truck yeah like, you like this and they're like oh i love it it's fantastic <laughs> and people always ask me when i drive them here and they go well how does this work in america is yeah, the, the, you cannot imagine how big the parking spaces are yeah like you get two corollas in there side by side they're um but here that, that just doesn't work i was at mcdonald's last night and you can barely fit in like a normal size suv in the car space and you're not getting it through drive-through you would take the whole restaurant down you would that's it so you're going to have to pick and choose your 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 trips you know where you can actually use this vehicle you, you'll be uh guessing you guessing against yourself as to whether you can do that kind of stuff and then mm. you know there's a clear trend where tradies love to tow their trailers through the drive-through as well mm. add that into the mix <laughs> yes I, i've got to tell you i used to work in a drive-through bottle and i remember being at the the register as this person drove through, they forgot that they had a cage on the back of their ute full of tires and completely smashed the ute. It was at the, the cage was at like a 45 degree angle as they came in. And he just stopped at my eye level and we looked at each other. And I've never seen anyone, young guy, uh, I think he was going to face some consequences. But uh, anyway, I mean, the, the point here is that the RAM is, is the prototype for the others in that. Um, you know, Ram Trucks Australia took the deep breath and decided to do the local remanufacturing, re-engineering, and they've just had their best sales month ever in August, over 500 registrations. Year to date, they're approaching 4,000. So the end of August, 4,000 of them. That's 38% up on the same period in, in 2021. Now, yes, there are some vagaries about supply, but this is a pretty orderly business. You know, they're, they're having trucks come in, be uh, uh, re-engineered for Australia, and it's made everybody else sit up and take notice. You know, GM Special Vehicles has got the Silverado. I think they've done, let me see, I've got that number, 1,400 so far this year. And Toyota and Ford have said, well, we want, we want a piece of it. So it's going to happen, and there are going to be a lot more of them. Mm. And credit to the Walkinshaw Group because they're effectively the ones facilitating three out of those four. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm just not sure if we actually know the F-150 converter yet or remanufacturer yet, but um, credit. 
Yeah. But just a brief, brief rant. It does make me feel old because all of this is about the coca colonization of our country. When, when I was young, we used to laugh at Americans for driving pickup trucks. No one here drove a pickup truck. Yeah. We have utes, right? Yes. Now we've not only you know embraced the Ranger, but we're going big. And that's the other thing you used to laugh about. Oh, sure, you, that's a reasonable size truck. No one needs something that big. Suddenly we do. So yes. Yeah. Yes. Very strange. And how big is the Ranger compared to what it used to be too? Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, you talk about, you know, times past. Steve Otley makes the point that in the 90s, you'll recall Holden sold the Chevy Suburban uh, with Holden badges, and most of them ended up being outside broadcast vans for television companies rather than, you know, regular family transport because they just didn't work as that. Mm. Yeah, at the, from memory at the time, the, the intent was to take on Land Cruiser and it had lots of numbers to push Land Cruiser, but, you know, lacked the um, lots of the Toyota things like um, dealer support and although there were plenty of Holden dealers. Um, anyway. Well, they're expensive too. Is it the old expression of like um, a tradie, you know, like rich tradies can't, supposedly can't buy a Porsche or something, right? But they can turn up. They used to turn up in a HSV because yes. yes. that was cool. Now it's like my truck's bigger than yours yes. and, and, and pricier than yours. So this is the ultimate expression of trading wealth. Whereas by, by a, a, Merc, a Merc X class was a bridge too far. Briefly, yes. <laughs> that, that, I never understood the uh, the badge disconnect there. But anyway, neither well, did, I mean, neither there was did the, the Australian public apparently. There was proximity to a Nissan Navara was one thing, but also yeah. a, a tradie turning up in a Merc is not a good look. What? How much am I paying you? It's odd, but a big American truck. I mean, we've always loved the Chevrolet. We put Chevrolet badges on our holds. <laughs> yes. Now, look, it's interesting because plane, trains, and dogs and cars, our regular uh, correspondent, has made the point, if you drop down in Google Street View on any USA suburban area, their trucks are all parked in their driveways. Um, every friggin' house has a truck. <laughs> so that's fair enough. I haven't done that. It'd be uh, it'd be an interesting exercise. Uh, that's a yeah. big audit, by the way. Good <laughs> if you're across the states. <laughs> but might, fascinating to know. Might mm. take a while, but uh, but it's true. So I mean, we've mentioned it um, offhand, but Ford has made the decision to go right-hand drive, and that's uh, going to be in 2023, we believe. And Toyota's undertaken uh, an engineering study, but as soon as they've made anything public, you can you can bet your bottom dollar they'll be doing it to bring the Tundra here as well, and that would be by 2024. So the landscape is going to change sooner rather than later. We're not talking wholesale change, but significant enough that these are going to be getting around in the suburbs. Um, and Mal, the building that we work in in Sydney, it was built, I want to say, at a rough guess, in the late 60s, maybe into the 70s. And the parking spaces in here are ludicrously small. It was like they were trying to uh, future-proof the, the building by making the spaces very small. Um, mm. The Valiance Falcons and, and Holden Kingswoods that would have been coming in here, I don't know how they did it, but these trucks would no, stand no chance whatsoever. No, we can't even fit Hilux in there. But, um, yes. You're not getting into my local shopping centre either. Like, no, no. no way. You might make it in under the height thing, but the turns, you know, and then you've got your concrete curves on all sides. You're going to be mounting that. They're just, um, yeah. Just and, not, and how do you redesign a whole world from, you know, from this point? It seems insane. And it's not even that. There are there are some just suburban, tighter turns that are going to be three-point turns for these things. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I just don't know whether you'll be able to make it in one arc. But anyway, all right. No. Look, I... I think we've made the point fairly clearly that we think they are too big. It'll be it doesn't stop me 
badly wanting to drive one. I really, I, I don't want, I don't want to own a Tundra, but I so badly want to drive one. But if you want to drive, don't go and drive it in America. That's what I would say. Where maybe. it makes sense. Yeah, it's maybe. like a K car. I like the idea of a K car and the tiny little Japanese thing. But I prefer to drive it in Tokyo. That's a really good point. That's not a bad analogy. <laughs> not down the Hume Highway. Not down the Hume Highway. A K car down the Hume, <laughs> or I think K car racing would be fantastic. That you know, you could fun. actually do that on a go kart track. That would yes. be. Something. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's leave it there. Um, we've we've had commentary from planes, trains, and dogs and cars. Thank you very much for that. But we'll move on to the news desk and this week in news. Okay, so these are some of the highly clicked stories that we've uh, we've got up on the site at the moment. Steve, could you just give us a proxy of one? It's not a million miles away from what we've just been talking about. Yes, yeah, speaking of uh, hugely popular pickup trucks we can't get enough of, the uh, the bigger, better Hilux is coming. The Rogue will hit showrooms in October. And the exciting thing about it is that it's not going to go up. They seem to be price matching on the old ones. So it's going to be about $70,000 and $70,200 to be exact. So uh, it's a pretty good deal and you get a lot of uh, upgraded suspension, better brakes, more aggressive look. It's uh, about as guaranteed a seller as bringing the F-150 here. <laughs> Disc brakes on the rear. That's it. Instead of drums, mind you. Uh, yeah, ventilated discs, I believe. That's a lot better brakes. I should have said yeah. a lot better brakes. Yes, and for people who don't understand drums, uh, there's this circular uh, encasement and shoes move out towards the edge rather than, anyway, you know what I mean. Um, they're, they're fairly rare, except on commercial vehicles at this stage. So for all the details on that, um, absolutely head to the site. Thank you, Steve. Mal, Nissan Patrol has been making uh, hay while the sun's been shining. Land Cruiser was in transition. Uh, now we're talking about the, the next iteration of that one. Yeah, so uh, Andrew Chesterton's done a story uh, not only talking about the next generation uh, patrol, which is pretty exciting, but also the, the role that Australia is playing in its development. Um, and so the, the two big things that uh, Nissan Australia is pushing for, because Australia wants them, is uh, more rugged. They cannot compromise its uh, existing yep. capability. Yep. Uh, and, you know, all the towing and all that, all that stuff. And, you know, we get a big say because we're buying lots of them and we represent a big chunk of the patrol's global audience. And yep. uh, we're, I think, one of the very few nations that uh, buy it in right-hand drive too. Yes, Okay, and I mean, Patrol's other big market is uh, Middle East, um, uh, so uh, an important model for all kinds of reasons, but it's it's been a, a rebirth almost, a resurgence in Patrol recently. Yeah, and, you know, Nissan's been pretty quiet over the last pretty much decade, um, and if you check out this story, there's a lot of little details in there that make, make you pretty excited about what's to come for Patrol. Fabulous. Very good. All right. And I'll give you the top line on a, a story that uh, our own Richard Berry unearthed, that the next generation Triton Ute uh, could go full electric and it's set for Australia. And now that's not exclusively electric. Uh, he cornered the segment chief vehicle engineer for Outlander and Outlander PHEV, Kentaro, believe this or not, Honda, uh, Kentaro Honda. And they said, this person said, we have a choice of hybrid or battery electric vehicle, even for such a truck type. So they could choose a plug-in uh, hybrid system. The local boss, Sean Westercott, said, look, we've still got a lot of a dirty power that's being produced. Our infrastructure is it up to it. Um, whether it happens, all the detail is there. So if you're interested in Triton and its future, 
that is all laid out for you in our news section. So have a click of that. And we will now move directly on to some metal that we have been driving lately, cars in the garage. Right, so the, as I say, these are the, the vehicles that we have been steering lately. Mal, you're well familiar with this one. It's a Volkswagen. Fill us in, please. Sure thing. So I've been testing the Volkswagen Tiguan Allspace in a long-term capacity. The one I have is uh, the 147 TDI Elegance, so it's the diesel, but also the Elegance meaning uh, basically the top of the range without going for the uh, flashy uh, R-line bits. Also meaning that it is elegant? <laughs> well... <laughs> You'll have to read the full story. In the eye of the beholder. So, you know, it's uh, – anyway, so it's it's not as flashy as an R-Line. So if you're after all the practicality and capability without um, the fr fragility of uh, like yep. hanging body bits and massive wheels and things like that, it's kind of a smart package. Um, and the diesel for ultimate fuel consumption, uh, which is an interesting story. You'll have to read the full story to find out more on that. Um but also for my family, the big thing is it's well, not the big thing, small thing. It's much smaller than other things I've I've put my three kids uh, okay. in the back of lately. Yeah, and it still swallows three child seats, and it's it's relatively meagre in overall dimensions. So it's quite an achievement, um, and still fits a lot in the boot. Um, however, um, we can fit all the kids' bikes, but no longer can fit Dad's bike and boot, which is some ask. But uh, it's because pretty good for Yours is a penny farthing, which is a challenge most <laughs> of the time. Look, I'm shooting myself in the foot by choice of bicycle, yeah. Do you have any skin left on your knuckles, like after doing all of these child seat moves? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Mel, correct me if I'm wrong. You may have mentioned it, but are all versions of the Allspace three-row? No. There no. is the Tiguan Allspace Adventure, yes, uh, which is a, a new variant. Uh, we've received, I think, a thousand units. Uh, it's a bit okay. of a trial thing. It's okay. five seats, it's so five it's got seats. a gigantic boot because yes. you remove the seats folded into the floor. Okay, but it's petrol, one six two TSI. Uh, we'll be driving that shortly. Uh, yep. very interesting package. But Allspace the one you're Adventure. living with is a is seven the, seat car. Yep, and elegance. You've, you've exclusively been strapping your child seats into the middle row, or yes. at any? Yeah, okay, all right. So from what you've seen, would it be tight uh, for for kids in the back or is that third row reasonable? Uh, to, be, to be honest, I haven't followed it up yet. Okay. Uh, but in, in, in my experience, it's it's one of the classic um, smaller seven-seaters, yeah. uh, therefore really for occasional use only. But impressively, there's proper airbags back there, unlike many other seven-seat SUVs. Righto. Okay. That's good. And. Thank you very much for that, Mel. And just to keep us grounded, Steve, you're with another, um, you know, day-to-day -day proposition for families who who need the practicality of an SUV. Fill us in on what you've been steering. As usual, I'm in something small and humble and cheap, uh, a Bentley Bentayga S, which caused some excitement amongst my neighbours who are, like, writing me, texting me, going, oh, you've got a Bentley, you've got a Bentley. And I said, no, no, I think you'll find it's a Bentayga. Um, they're excited about the badge. I can't get excited about the SUV. And I was trying, I drive around going, you know, it smells nice and all that kind of thing. And it makes a lot of noise, but how much could it possibly be? And I was somewhat shocked to find out that the price starts at $450,000. And I was more shocked to find out that mine came with a hundred thousand dollars worth of options, including $8,000 for paint protection. 
Wow. Protection. It sounds so, like the sort of thing that the guy scams you on at the dealer. Is, uh, is that paint protection multiple security guards protecting I'd paint, you know, 24 hours a day? But that's only that's only my least favourite thing. There's also um, also contrast stitching for seven and a half grand. That was that was another favourite. Uh, how, how broad is the contrast? Wow, well, they're, they're just stitches. They're just different coloured stitches. Oh, but my favourite, my favourite was you get standard brakes, standard brakes for three thousand three hundred fifty three dollars. <laughs> So they're the brakes you think you would get thrown in with a, with a four hundred and fifty grand, but no, no. Out of box, right. out of box, there's just no. Well, the colours are painted red, so you know that's probably three grand. It sounds like of a certain standard. Yeah, but but, but was, that, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a car. And uh, that that plays into my theory that I reckon you reach a tipping point where if the options aren't poisonously poisonously expensive, that's a bad thing, because nice. you've spent a lot, a lot, a lot of money on your car and you want to impress friends and family with, see that paint? You know how much that costs? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know, how about that paint? How about that cross-stitching there? That cost me five grand. Wow. That's that's a big deal. But if you told me that, James, I'd slap you. <laughs> yes. It, Why did you Often do it doesn't even take that. You, Why? You, you're, you're prone to lashing out. Uh, well, particularly anyway. about things like this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, so question without notice. What is under the bonnet? Uh, it is a giant twin turbocharged V8. It's very, uh, very powerful. It's got like 400 plus kilowatts. I mean, it's, so it's the- incredibly uh, smooth and refined most of the time. 404 kilowatts it is, in fact. Uh, four litre twin turbo V8. And most of the time it's just quiet and a bit dull, but it's like a twin stage rocket. So you, right. put your, you put your foot down, it does accelerate. And then all of a sudden, if you put it down a bit further, it, it just explodes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it seems to have this kind of... Um, confused personality where even the car itself is how surprised at how fast it is so when you put your foot down that the whole the, the nose leaps into the air like what the happened there so yes. it's um it's a bit a bit strange i think that wow. the s is probably even more overpowered than the basic one but um four and a half seconds to 100 for something that weighs 800 tons is pretty impressive and i think rather than the uh the boat or the caravan you're going to see the horse float uh, behind that one, polo Be it, ponies. Polo ponies, I would have thought, yes. And it's much quicker again when that same engine's in an Audi RS6 for about half the price. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not too far uh, distant from an SQ7, which is about a third of the price. Mm. Yes, Quite well, closely it, related when you think about it. None what of is the skin? It? Yeah, it's Tuareg, it's a Q7, it's Bentayga, it's Urus. KN, KN, oh, and Urus. There are five VW Group products on that same platform so and i'm in the ignominy of of having what is it that we had mel was it a bentayga where the tow bar was branded audi and or i think it was uh and various other bits and pieces wore the four rings it's like you don't want to see that i don't know whether i'd be happy with that if i'd uh, shield out that kind of dough um but i did expect though the key when you get the lambo the key is actually an audi key quite clearly whereas the the bentley key actually had a bit of shape and weight to it so i like that but mind you, the key was, I think, a 50 grand option. Yes, that's right. Because you need that for the definitive plonk onto the restaurant table oh, yeah. to, oh. to make, make that kind of statement. All right. Now, uh, and now also, Mushandi says uh, they should have a Velot option, like a kebab. Um, yeah. so you can actually just fold everything into it. It's definitely extra cheesy. <laughs> All right. I'll round us out in the garage. And I have been driving. Thank you, Steve. I have been driving a Skoda Fabia Monte Carlo. So it's almost $37,000 before you put it on the road. Uh, 1.5 litre petrol, turbo petrol, four, 
110 kilowatts, 250 newton meters. It's front wheel drive, seven speed dual clutch transmission auto. And on the plus side of the ledger, I had that it's comfy. Uh, it it really rides nicely. The, I bookended it with uh, I've just gone into an HRV, and I've got to say that the HRV doesn't feel anywhere near as as refined and composed as this uh, Fabia did. Um, and what else? It steers very nicely. A really nice connection between the steering wheel and what the front tires are doing. Has a seven year warranty now, as of this week. Uh, Skoda has moved to a seven year warranty, so that's a big plus. 4.9 litres per 100 k's isn't too bad for, for a car in this category for, you know, claimed or official fuel consumption. And it has these very cool uh, front door handles that that sort of protrude from the armrest in an unusual way and actually are hugely practical. You just grab them, you can shut and open the door super easily. Sounds like a little thing, but um, it made a big difference. On the minus side, I'm not in love with the front seats. I think there's something about the the way they're padded. You you tend to be cushioned a little too much without um, the the benefit of the lateral location. And in terms of the engine drive, normal D mode is a bit drab, and S is almost too aggressive. It's suffering that syndrome that a lot of VW Group products used to, I thought, used to experience, where the drive setting was too conservative hunting for higher ratios the whole time to improve fuel economy. And then the the sports setting was too aggressive and it was constantly changing down and keeping you in gears longer than you wanted it to. Well, this one suffers from that syndrome. It's like a throwback, uh, which I found interesting. Um, and even when it does get going, it doesn't feel like 250 newton metres. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's okay. It gets along. It's uh, it holds its own in traffic, but it, it, it didn't feel like 250 and it's a bit squeezy in the back seat. So yeah, okay, it's a it's a it's a hatch of a certain size, but it it is quite tight in the back seat. So to sum it up, I think it's a little bit pricey for what it is. It is fairly well equipped, but um, it's the same price as a Golf One Ten TSI Life. Um, so for comparison, I'm just a little bit confused by Skoda these days as to what their positioning is, who the target market is, because. They're becoming almost parallel to Volkswagen and, and other brands in in the VW group. And, and I know that's a conscious decision. They don't want to be the, the cheap and cheerful alternative. They want to be the quality thinking, engineering-led uh, brand. But uh, it, a fair bit of pizzazz about the spec. I found though. that car just a little bit confusing. Yeah. I, I feel like they're aiming for Alfa Romeo territory in that, you know, really? the, look at the variety of interior fabrics on the inside and the, the application of colour. Yeah. Um, and also in the body. Um, well, that's fair. It, does, it did have the alpha-style stripes down the centre of the seats and what have you. That's a very good point. No, I mean, mm. extra for those, James. Well, not Bentley extra. It might be <laughs> It might be some, you know, more reasonable some extra. Option. Yeah. You can buy this whole car for the cost of that Bentley key. <laughs> that's true. See, that is the boast. That's where you're talking about the expensive options are right once you get over a certain price point. Mm. This key costs more than your car. You know, if you're inclined to that kind of uh, well, the, the the net hundred thousand dollar figure, Corby said, that's a Tuareg, you know, yeah. in addition to your Bentayga. So you've got two of the same car. True, <laughs> true, to a degree. All right. Well, look, with that, we've reached the finish line. So it's time to say thanks to all our listeners and viewers, and thank you, Mel. Pleasure. And thank you, Steve. Thank you. And well done to our production guru, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Uh, he's made his rules of engagement for conversation clear because today he's wearing a T-shirt emblazoned with the words, 
if you want me to listen to you, talk about Tiranas. Um, jump into the conversation. Cars Guide is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Or traditionalists can email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five stars is the uh, preferred number. And thanks to Ross McFadden uh, for alerting us to a bit of a hiccup with Apple Podcasts, which we are, are working on and we'll rectify quickly. Thank you very much, Ross. He emailed us. Uh, and viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, I dreamed I was driving a Ferrari SF90 last night. 10 tenths around the Nürburgring. Yeah, I was fast asleep. <laughs> Boyo. <laughs> Language mouth. <laughs>